Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Hildy's Hot Takes, the podcast with tastes so hot you have to respect them, even if you think they are stupid. I have to read you this headline I read over the weekend on Twitter, talk a little bit of golf, we got our shut up of the week, talk a little NHL playoffs, and then I'll be sending you on your way. But this headline I read, man, lot to unpack in it, to say the least. Uh, This is from the Los Angeles Times. I never clicked on it. I never read it. But it says, Women in South Korea are mocking men's penises, fueling an anti-feminism movement. Like, are you kidding me? The LA Times. So imagine you go to school. You go to university for four years to get a journalism degree. Which I'm not knocking, by the way. That's what I did. So don't get me wrong. Great degree. You know, I'm a wizard behind the keys. But uh, you go to university for four years, you get a journalism degree, and you get a job with the LA Times, and you're all pumped up, and then boom, you're writing a story about penises. A story about penises. And how do you even do that? How are you a legit big J journalist, and you're writing a story about penises in a non satire, non parody? You're not laughing. Like, couldn't be me. And then you take it one step further, you're the, the managing editor, the editor-in-chief for the Los Angeles Times, and this story gets slapped on your desk. Women in South Korea are mocking men's penises. And you just look at it, and you don't even laugh, and you're like, publish it now. Get it on Twitter. Get it trending. We need people to see this hard-hitting journalism. Because I don't know about you. I couldn't do that. If that's a prerequisite to work at the Los Angeles Times is you have to write serious stories about mocking men's penises, then tch, I'm never working at the LA Times, I guess. I'm fucked. And and just what a response too. Like, I never read the story. I'm just going off the headline here. But what a response by these women. It's like, oh, feminism? You don't like them? You don't like feminism? That's okay. I don't care. You have a weird looking dick. Oh, what about you? You don't want to, you don't want to march, uh, on our quest for equal rights? Well, that doesn't matter because you have a small dick. What about you? Oh, you too? Well, yours is bent and small. <laughs> how, how humiliating can that be? But anyway, it's US Open week. I'm pumped up. We're all pumped up. Everyone's pumped up. If you're a sports fan, you're pumped up. Uh, I don't know how much of the US Open I'm going to be able to watch. I'm leaving on a fishing trip tomorrow morning. I'm recording this on Tuesday. And I don't know, I'll try and stream it, but worst case scenario, I'll be following along at the very least, you know, maybe watching some highlights while drinking a nice Ryan Coke after ripping some lips, maybe a glass of bourbon with some ice in it. I don't know. Maybe I'll put some ice in it. Maybe we'll tip back a couple ice cold Molson Canadians. Doesn't matter. But what does matter is the U.S. Open, arguably the best or the second best golf tournament in the world. Um, I know a lot of people love the allure of the Masters. Augusta National obviously is a staple. Um, But I personally love the U.S. Open because the carnage, the positive figures, the pissed off golfers. People are hitting it over the green. They're putting it off the green. They can't do anything. And it's a rite of passage every year for these guys to go out there, shoot scores, plus one, plus two. I just love it when the leader comes in at like plus one or plus two. That fires me up. But every year, there's three or four guys that get up on the podium after and start complaining about how hard it is. But nothing was better 
in the history of golf than in 2018 at Shinnecock, I believe, when Phil Mickelson hit his ball that was still moving. He hit his putt, and it was about to roll all the way off the green, and he ran after and hit it back towards the hole. Now that is golf at its finest. That's the one of us, one of us, because everyone knows that if they were playing on that course, they would have to do that every single putt. And the best part about it all was the hard golf people that got so pissed online and on TV about that, complaining, say he needs to, demanding a public apology. Like if that is getting your trousers in a bunch, then you need to drink some fucking water and chill out. And speaking of Phil, I got a bit of a bone to pick with the guy. Um, and I'm going to go on the record saying I'm a huge Phil Mickelson guy. I think he's hilarious. I love his content. Ever since he posted that video of him driving down Magnolia Lane and that was one Masters, talking about hitting bombs and how he's just going to come out and attack the course. I mean, it didn't matter that he didn't even make the cut in that Masters, but just the content he's putting out there and the way he's kind of putting golf on a map in a different light than um, the traditionalists of golf might want to, to be seen. But he's hilarious, and I like him. And him winning the PGA Championship a couple weekends ago, that was awesome. I was quarantining, dealing with this COVID bullshit up in Canada. I'm not going to get into it. Not a political podcast. But I had nothing other to do than watch Phil Mickelson. He was making a run. You know, he's in the lead. And then he's in the lead again. And then he's in the lead again. And people are like, holy shit, can Phil pull this off? And, of course, he pulled it off. Um, they were battling down the stretch. That's a tough course they were playing at Kiowa there. And it was great. That scene with everybody trampling up, unreal. No knock on him whatsoever. 50 years old. Congrats, Phil. You won the PJ Championship. But can you chill out with all this PGA Championship stuff? Just chill out. Because let's be honest here. The PGA Championship is definitely the least boring major. Find me one golfer that says, you know... If there's one tourney I would ever love to win in the history of the PGA Tour, it's a PGA Championship. No one says that. So, Phil, I don't care. You won. That's great. Don't come at me next week after shooting three over in the first round of the next tournament and say it doesn't matter because you won the PGA. It's not that sick. Don't post a video of you driving at your home course in Arizona with the Wanamaker in the, in the passenger seat of the golf cart because it's not that Sick. Um, Masters is better. U.S. Open is better. Tour Championship is better. British Open is better. Um, the Players Championship is better. So I know it's got the major allure, but I don't think it's that sick. I don't think guys on the tour think it's that sick. And maybe Jordan Smith might be the only guy that says he really wants to win that one because that would complete his Grand Slam. But good for him. Chill out. We've had enough. I've had enough. Um, and it's good that he won, though, because he was going to have to require a special exemption to get into the U.S. Open to even qualify to play, which is fine because, you know, Phil's a legend. I think he's eighth, eighth all time and wins. Like, if you're that big of a legend and you move the needle that much like he did when you saw he won the PGA, then, yeah, you should have a special exemption to all the big tournaments because... It's just more eyeballs on the screen and everyone, especially the older people, the boomers, they want to see how Phil's doing. 
Now, Phil tweeted that since he won the PGA Open or the PGA Championship and he didn't require a special exemption anymore, that it should be moved to Ricky Fowler. Ricky fucking Fowler. Why, Phil? Why should Ricky Fowler get a special exemption to one of the most prestigious golf tournaments in the world if he didn't qualify for it? Ricky Fowler is the most overrated golfer in the history of golf. Now, I know he's done good for himself in terms of the marketing with his outfits and the Puma, and he shows up in a few Rocket Mortgage commercials, and everyone thinks he's this fucking perennial all-star golfer. But let's be honest here. He's been playing for 13 years. He's only got five wins. He hasn't won since 2018. A couple seconds in some majors, which is legit, but... That's fucking garbage time golf. Garbage time golf, like, he made a run. He was golfing with Spieth in the final round of the PGA there when Phil won. And he was way out of contention. He made a run. He was in the top five. And he bogeys 17 and 18 to fall out of the top five, which would have got him an exemption to the U.S. Open. But he played well in some garbage time. And then once the pressure was really on him, he goes bogey, bogey. That's like Matt Ryan throwing for 200 yards and two touchdowns every fourth quarter the the Atlanta Falcons play when they're already down by 30 playing against third-string defenses. And then the pressure gets on him, and he crumbles. Like, the hype around Ricky Fowler is ridiculous. And I was reading some comments on, on Instagram saying, he'll be back, he'll be back, he'll be back, blah, blah, blah. Like, shut the fuck up. It's not the shut up of the week, but shut the fuck up. Back from what to what? He was never there. He was never in the limelight. Sure, he played a couple Ryder Cups, but he just done a great job marking himself. I think he sucks. I'm not a fan of him. I don't like his whole MO. And if you do, that's fine. If you disagree with me, that's fine, but you're wrong. Before we get into the shut up of the week, I just need to address something else with golf that pisses me off. I hate when people screw this up. So if you're listening to it, if you're listening to this, get it through your head and figure it out, okay? The difference between a scramble format and a best ball format when playing team golf, okay? A scramble is when you all hit your drives, foursome, threesome, twosome, whatever. You figure out which ball is in the best position and all four of you go to that ball and you all hit your balls from the exact same spot and so forth and so forth. That is a scramble. I know it's easy to get it mixed up. Best ball is when you all hit your own balls from wherever the hell they go. In the woods, out of the fucking water, dropped by the red stakes, whatever you want to do. And after you all finish the hole, you pick the best score. And now I know it can be easily confused. I think it should be called best score and best ball. That should be best score for what I just said and best ball for scramble. I understand it's stupid. But figure it out, folks, because I hate when people are like, we're going to play best ball. I'm like, well, scrambler or best ball? They're like, best ball. And they're like, I'm like, so we pick our best score at the end? He's like, no, we all hit from the same spot. I'm like, that's a fucking scramble. Anyway, I would love to not have to do that conversation in the future. So everyone get that through their thick skulls. The difference between a scramble and best ball. Please, I'm begging you. And now it's talking golf.
And now on to the shot up of the week. And this, uh, this shot up of the week was honestly God sent. Like when I saw this clip of Nathan McKinnon's press conference after they lost in game six to the Vegas Golden Knights, I was rolling on the floor. Literally. I couldn't fucking believe it. And as a big J independent journalist with a journalism degree, not a big deal. I have never been so confident to call myself a journalist and to be able to put myself out there at some point in my life. So maybe, you know, ask these guys questions because I'll post uh, the clip on Twitter and just his entire press conference on Twitter as well for you to listen to. It was just embarrassing. The questions were fucking brutal. Stupid one after stupid one after stupid one. But this one takes the cake. Listen to this. You know, I know you're a gamer and uh, and all this, and uh, you know, I'm just thinking maybe out loud as far as in your shoes right now. It's like, all right, we've done all the thing we can do. We've done all the game plan that we do. Maybe, maybe you know, just fuck it. We'll just go in next year and just not think that anymore and just win this thing when we don't take so much. Is that good? Am I on the right path at all with this? Like maybe this guy's take a little too much. On. Oh. Um believable yeah, Nathan I'm just gonna think out loud in terms of you like got my own. it's like what if you're starting a fucking question first of all shut up oh my god if you're if you're starting a question to a guy one of the best players in the entire National Hockey League and you are saying I'm just gonna think out loud in terms of you in your shoes right now and try and write like oh my god so he is obviously getting flamed on Twitter and nothing more than doing something, nothing more I hate than when you do something stupid and you can't own it and you, and you keep on trying to back up what you did. This person calling him an idiot, he, he replies and says, you got it wrong, but thanks for the evaluation. It was a question where I was trying to be sympathetic to McKinnon. I'm sorry you and others don't do context very well. Adrian Dater, shut up. Shut up. And then I can't believe he even says that. I was trying to be sympathetic. When right after they lose the game, he says this Avs, team's, this Avs team lost because, again, they talk a good game but don't follow through. They softened up after game two, found out otherwise that Vegas wouldn't quit and couldn't adjust to some real pressure. Shut the fuck up. You're an idiot, Adrian Dater. I hate you. I can't believe how you even still have a job after that fucking monstrosity of a question. And I don't think the Avalanche should ever let you into a post-game press conference ever again. Because you're literally an asshole for answering that, for asking that question. When we just say, fuck it. And, you know, just go out there and win this thing. Like, you're not trying to be sympathetic to him. You're trying to bait him in to writing your headline for you because you already have your shitty story written about them. So fuck you and shut the fuck up. And talking about Nathan McKinnon and all this stuff about, you know, best players on the planet. I just got this little stat. I want to read you guys um, about Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, not really related, but I'm just going to add this in here. McKinnon three series wins in first eight seasons. 
McDavid, one series win in first six seasons. Matthews, zero wins in first five seasons. Sidney Crosby, seven series wins, two Stanley Cup final appearances, one cup in first four seasons. And somehow that wasn't good enough. So, boom. little backup for the Crosby-Ovechkin haters there. And that was the shut-up of the week. I hope you had a laugh. That guy's a fucking asshole. And to finish off the podcast here, get you on your way like I promised. Just going to recap a little um, Stanley Cup final action, semifinals. We got Montreal and Vegas, Islanders and Tampa. First thing I'm going to say, Montreal, North Division. If you're one of those people that says Montreal doesn't have a chance, they don't deserve to be here, the North Division sucks, and I fucking hate you, and you're an idiot. Because you don't know what you're talking about. It's the NHL. These guys are good. Edmonton had some good players. They didn't have that much depth, but fucking McDavid and Drysdale are no joke. Toronto had a shit ton of good players, even though they're ass. I'm so happy they lost. Uh, Toronto fans are much like... Much like Minnesota Vikings fans to me, where they're so fucking annoying. I just can't wait every year for those teams to inevitably lose because they will never win. On to Vegas. And in saying that, I like Montreal too. They're kind of screwed with Jeff Petrie. They just got murdered last night. Vegas kind of took it to them. Um, They had a couple D in there I never even heard of. And that's not the recipe for success against Vegas, who, don't get me wrong, is a fucking wagon. Like, if Montreal gets smoked by Vegas, it won't be because they don't deserve to be there or um, they suck. It will be because Vegas is nasty. Like, they got that first line, Marceau, Smith, um, Pacioretty, Jan Mark. Oh, my God, did fucking Shea Theodore make one of the nastiest plays I've ever fucking seen last night. The puck pops out to him. He winds up for a howitzer after scoring a goal. So he was like, you think, I mean, this is why I'm not in the NHL, but if I got that puck, I was fucking ripping it. But he fakes, he slaps the ice, he fakes the pass, and he slides it over for a one-timer, boom, goal, up 2-1 or 3-1, whatever it was. Um, I audibly gasped when I saw that play. It was unreal. But the Montreal-Vegas series, in my opinion, should be a pretty quick one, five or six. Um, just depends on how well Price plays. He seemed a little flustered last night. Vegas was getting after him, getting him moving side to side, getting getting some screens. Um, so that's going to be the recipe for success against Vegas. I think Montreal needs Jeff Petrie to come back, and they, they, need, they need him to play. He's one of their best defensemen. Um, but they're no joke either. They uh, came out on the hop, and you got to give them a, a bit of a break too there. Um, playing their first game all season in front of fans in Vegas, sold out building. They had those uh, gold thunder sticks and the, and the light up gold sticks there too. So that was a pretty sick scene. On to Islanders, Tampa Bay rematch of last year's conference final as well. Um, I really like the makeup of both teams. Obviously you got the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. That's Tampa and the Islanders. Tampa's got that high-powered offense, tons of skill. Um, Power play is clicking on all cylinders right now. And the Islanders, backed by Barry Trotz's game plan, are stingy, and they just play the right way. They use their depth to their advantage, much like Tampa does, but they just don't give up a whole lot. And they don't care 
how many shots are, how long they're getting hemmed in their zone, or what's going on. All they care about is the score of the game and when to turn it on. A couple of good deadline acquisitions. Kyle, Parnett, Kyle Paul Mary was fucking killing it last series against Boston. They're going to need him to pick it up again. And they even took game one. They kind of stifled Tampa, um, which is fine. You saw what uh, happened to Vegas after they go down 2-0 uh, in the series against Colorado. And then they're even down 2 nothing with a couple minutes left in game three, which really, really ended their season. But they turned it around. So we can't be making any rash um, decisions or any type of uh, – any type of predictions after one game in each series, because it could go either way. The Montreal Vegas series could go either way. The Islanders Tampa series could go either way. And I just want to talk about Victor Hedman and how nasty he is and how other than Kale McCarr, there really isn't a D man that, that compares to him. I've been seeing a lot of people online and talking to a lot of people saying that, he had a down year, and I just said, you're a fucking idiot. Look at his stats. They're like, oh, advanced stats. Speaking of advanced stats, I hate advanced stats. I don't understand them. I guess I maybe should learn them. But I'm more of an eye test guy, and Hedman passes the eye test pretty much every single night. And with that, we'll conclude the second episode of Hildy's Hot Takes. Thank you for listening. I appreciate everyone that listened. And gave me some feedback or kind words or criticism on the first episode. And let's just grow this thing. If you like the pod, if you were laughing, if you had a good time listening to it, don't just tell me. Tell other people. Share it to your stories. Follow it. Subscribe. Download. Do whatever you want. Um, But let's get this train rolling if you're enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a lot of time. Uh, A lot of time. Fuck. I'm having a really fun time doing this. So... Let's keep it rolling. Happy to be doing this for you folks. Happy to be making the people laugh, getting my voice out there. And we'll see you next week.